0: when I didn't feel like helping my wife. Because I have things that I want to do as well. And, and it was not always convenient. It made me be more patient with my kids. All week long, whatever the situation was, I was getting hammered. Josh, you got to do this. you got to do this. You're going to get up and you're going to share sure this. And the message is simple. Love should win. Everybody say it with me. Love should win. Okay, good. You guys got the take-home truth. Love should win. Hopefully, you'll see that in the passage that we're looking at today. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And we see that in this situation, love does, in fact, win because this is Jesus who's showing love to somebody who needs it. So Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. It says, On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days to do your work, so come out and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Jesus didn't appreciate that. He answered them and said, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free from the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. So first of all, we know that love should win. This woman had a need for love. She was crippled. In her back for 18 years, and she's showing up at a synagogue. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people miss church. Some excuses are really good. Some excuses are kind of lame. And I don't know all the excuses. I'm not going to try to give you a list. But this woman, if anybody had an excuse to miss church, the synagogue, it was this woman. For 18 years, she was bent over. I don't know how far she was bent over. But she couldn't see up real well because her, her head was facing down. And for 18 years, she had to go uh, to the synagogue. And regular, And I don't know if she went all the time. I don't know if it was just once in a while, or if it was because Jesus showed up. But this woman was there at a time when she needed love, and she needed uh, a hand of blessing. I'm sure as she went to, to the synagogue every week, I'm sure she felt humiliated. For 18 years, she had to stare at the ground, everybody looked at her and wondered what happened to this lady 18 years earlier 18 years and a week earlier she probably could have walked into the synagogue like everybody else because she didn't have an accident she didn't she didn't fall from a building or get squished by a horse or anything like that she was just somehow affected by this spirit and so all of a sudden she just has this inability to stand up straight I'm sure she felt the judgment of everybody who looked at her. I mean, like, especially little kids. You see somebody who's different. What do the little kids do? They just want to stare at what is different. Forgive them for that, but that's what they want to do. Um, And I'm sure she had everybody's judgment looking at her, like wondering, what did you do that caused this on yourself? Because last week, we looked at a couple different situations where you had the the Galileans who were in worship. They were uh, offering sacrifices, and they were killed. Their blood was mixed with... Those are the sacrifices that they were killing, and Jesus was talking to the people. Do you think it, they were worse sinners? That's why that happened, or the 18 people who happened to be standing by this big tower of Solomon that fell on top of them? That's their their natural response was, "You did something to deserve the punishment or the death that you are getting." So I'm sure she has this judgment. She has this fear of what are people thinking about what she's going through. And she was crippled by a spirit. She was not demon possessed. Jesus never. Cast a demon out of this person. She was just somehow this demon was able to affect her physically and so that she couldn't move. And she was just stuck, bent over for 18 years. She had no idea how long this was going to last. I'm sure every day she was praying, please God, let this be the last day. Please let me stand up. She was a woman who was in need of love. Guess what? Today, there are people inside this church and there are people outside this church who are in need of love as well. Your neighbors, they need love. The people sitting next to you or the people who live next to you in your houses or down the ranch, down the road, they need love. Your co-workers, the people you see day in and day out, what do they need? All you need is love, right? Your family members who live in the same house or uh, or in different households but you still see at church or on holidays, they need love. The stranger passing through town this, this summer on vacation. That person needs love. The person sitting in the the nursing home that are sitting there wondering, why am I still here? The person who's just sitting and waiting to die, what do they need? They need love. The kids at the park who are there all day long because mom and dad don't really care about the kids. Those kids need the same thing. There are a lot of people in this world who need love. And that's a need only love can fill. But where are they going to find this kind of love? Who is going to be the one who says, I, yes, I will show love to these people? We have the need for love, but we also have the source for love. For this woman, verses 12-13, it says, When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up, and she praised God. Obviously, Jesus was her source of love. Jesus said the words she needed to hear. You are healed from your infirmity, from your sickness, from this physical struggle that you are going through. But Jesus was also there, physically present, to do for her what she needed most—to put His hand on her and to say, "You're you're you're healed from this." Now we know Jesus was there because He's spoken of, and all I can do is speculate about who else was there that was willing to show this woman love. Was her family there, willing to show her love? Did they help her? Into the synagogue, did they did they carry her uh, her bag that she might have had when she was at home and she had her little garden? Were they out there helping her weed her garden? Was uh, when she needed stuff from the market, did they go and pick that up for her? I don't know because the Bible doesn't say. But this woman was in need of love. She got it from Jesus. Hopefully, she got it from everywhere else. This woman needed love. People today they need love as well. Who is going to be that source of love. Ultimately, the source of love for the people today is what or who? Jesus, right? Ultimately, we love each other because he loved us. We love him because he first loved us. But when's the last time you saw Jesus down here on earth walking around, healing people, or meeting somebody's physical needs, changing a tire, helping someone work in their garden, pick up their, uh, pick up a heavy object? When's the last time you saw Jesus do that? Anybody? I've never seen it. I've never seen Jesus doing those kinds of things. So guess what he's asking from us? That the church is the body of Christ. That we would be his hands and we would be his feet and help the people that are around us. So when your neighbor has a project that they need help with, you can show God's love to them by offering to give them some time or some advice or, or spend some time with them while they work on this project. That's showing love. Your coworkers who need to talk to somebody because they're going through some difficult time in life, uh, you can show God's love to them by being a listening ear. And as you have opportunity to give them some godly counsel. Your family, family members who need help in some way. That's, that's kind of endless. You, there's all sorts of ways. You're, the stranger passing through town that needs directions, that looks like they're lost, you can walk up to them and say, Hey, my name is Josh. Can I help you with something? That show, that's a simple way to show love to somebody that you don't know. The people who are sitting in the nursing home that are wondering, does anybody care? Is anybody going to stop by? You can be the person that shows God love, God's love by going and sitting at the end of their bed and talking to them and listening to them and spending time with them. The kids at the park who look like they are thirsty but they are not going to leave. You can be the person who goes and brings them a drink of water. Whatever the case is, God's people are to be His hands and His feet to show love to the people around us. Now, before I move on from that, um, I want to I want to come back to Jesus because Jesus, what did He do? He, he was in the synagogue. There was a woman there who needed to be healed, and Jesus healed her. Now, I can't heal anybody. Someone could come in here with a gunshot wound or bent over or with uh, a scrape on their finger, and I cannot do anything. To make that better, I can say, here's a band aid, I can call the ambulance, but I cannot do anything, and nobody in here can as well. But God isn't asking you to do something that's not in your realm of possibility. He's asking you to show love to people wherever you're at. Now, when it comes to showing love to your immediate family, I don't have any immediate family here besides my wife and my two boys. So it's going to be pretty tough for me to show love to my immediate family, and I know there's other people like that as well. It's going to be tough for some of us to show love to our coworkers, right? Because some people don't work. They're retired. Some people like me don't have coworkers. unless you happen to show up to help at Awana or help at Sunday school. But for the most part, I'm by myself. And I know that there are some ranchers in that same situation. Some of you say, oh, I remember that about the kids at the park. And I don't know kids at the park. Well, God's not asking you probably to go show up with as a stranger. Here's a bunch of water and give it to the kids at the park. Because they're going to, if they were taught, they're going to say, no, I don't know stranger, stranger danger. You know, stay away from me. But God's asking you to work within your realm, within your little world, to show love to the people around you. And you don't have to do it the way that I do it. I don't have to do it the way that you do it. I just have to do it the way that God has asked me to do it. So people need love. And we're the ones who are supposed to show love to them. But when am I supposed to do this? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at the timing for love, verses 10 through 12. This is actually my favorite part of the whole message. Okay, I just want you to know that. Maybe you won't think anything else of it, but it says, On a Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she stood up, and she praised God. When did this happen? It was on the Sabbath, right? That's like in the synagogue. That's in the middle of church. That's when this happened. That's that's part of why it's so much fun. That's why we have the timing of it. Because Jesus is up there in front of people. And he's reading the scrolls. And he's saying, this is what it means. And as he's looking around, he sees this woman who's bent over. And he says, I'm, let's take a time out right here. And let's call this woman forward. And let's heal her right now, right in the middle of the whole service. Now, if I was to find some kind of situation like that, it probably would be okay to stop right in the middle. For them, I think it was a little bit more of a surprise. But he showed right now that he wanted to to show love to this woman. And he called her forward, not because he was too lazy to go to her, not because he wanted to embarrass her, but for two reasons that I can see. The first is that he wanted to prove to everybody that he was God. Because that was one of the things that Jesus was always trying to get across to people, that he is God's son, that everything he says is true, that he's backing it up by the miracles that he's doing. But also he's showing the second thing that we see today is that love should win. Love should win. And Jesus is showing that because right during the middle of the service, he's showing it. He didn't say, let's wait till after the service. Hey, we'll talk to you after, or we can wait till tomorrow. He says, right now is when it needs to happen, right now is when I'm going to do it. The timing of love is not always convenient, but the timing of love is right now. You I remember when I was uh, a kid in church, There was this happened at least twice, and I don't know if you can blame my dad for this, but two different people passed out at different times. Uh, one was singing, and one was in the, back in the sound room, and all of a sudden, the church stopped. My dad was up here, because sometimes he's up... Preaching, or he's up helping leave the song, and all of a sudden he's like, Time out, let's go right now, and let's deal with this issue. And obviously, he's going to see better than everybody else because his attention is focused on everybody. But the service stopped. They went immediately, got this person what they need, they called the ambulance, one person did some medical attention, got the heart going again, but the point was, the service was over. He didn't say, Oh, you just. We'll help that person lay down and we'll keep going, you know, and beat on his chest and I'm going to keep talking because that's the most important thing. He said, no, the need for help is right now. We're going to start right now and we're going to take care of it. But the timing of love is not always convenient. And the reaction of love is not always positive. In this case, half, half of it is and half of it isn't. This is the woman's response. So then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. She, she, he put his hand. She straightened up. You know what she did? She probably was like stunned. as she put her hands. She said, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. She ran around the synagogue excited. And everybody was running up to her. They were all excited at the difference that was obviously in this person's life. She was very excited. She shouted hallelujah. Very unchurchy. Very unchurchy. The synagogue's ruler was a little bit different. He didn't really appreciate this. Verse 14 says he was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> the, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come here and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. So here you got the synagogue ruler who's going to indirectly uh, shame Jesus for, for doing this miracle. He was disgusted. He was mad. He was frustrated. This is what you don't do on the Sabbath in church. That's just not Okay. He says, there are six other days. Come back tomorrow or, or go outside in the parking lot during the week and you take care of it then. It should have been a happy occasion. They should have all been excited. Even the synagogue ruler should have been excited that this woman he saw probably for 18 years, prayed for for hopefully 18 years, was now able to stand up. It was a miracle right before his eyes. He should have been excited, but he wasn't. Instead, he's saying, you know what? Law is more important Make sure you don't do that again. You guys come back a different day. Now, when you do something for somebody, you show them love. You show your family love or you show the neighbor love or your co-worker. I, you know what? I don't have any idea what that reaction is going to be. I don't know if someone's going to jump up and kiss you on the cheek because they're excited. I don't know if they're going to give you a hug. They might say, thank you so much. I really appreciated that. They might pull out their wallet and start throwing money at you. Um... Uh, I have no idea. You're just going to have to try it. You're not doing it for uh, the reaction, but you're you're supposed to show love, and people are going to respond to you in some way. But sometimes when you show love to one person, someone else doesn't really like that. You know, if you have um, a neighbor that you go out because they have a project that they need to work on, someone else in the neighborhood may not appreciate that you did that because they don't like that neighbor. Those two people get along, and it's not okay for you to get along with this person and to help them. And they may not like you for that. Uh, family members. Uh, if you, one family member helps another family member, everybody else may not like it because this guy is always bailing this person out. And someone else says, they've got to learn. They don't like the fact that you're doing this. Uh, your coworker, who you go and you spend time at lunchtime talking about the struggles of their life. Other people may say, what a waste of time. Because that person has put themselves in that position. And they may not like you because you're trying to help that person out. And the list could go on and on and on. Uh, even the kids at the park. Somebody might think, what a waste of time. Those are little kids. They don't really matter. That's their parents' job. They should be the ones taking care of that. They may not appreciate it. I don't know how people are going to respond. Uh, but they, you're, you're going to get hopefully a positive response for something that, that you did in order to help somebody. Jesus had, the woman had her reaction, the synagogue ruler had their reaction, and Jesus says, okay, guys, now it's my turn for my reaction. Verses 15 through 17. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free from the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humili- humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. Now, back in uh, the spring, I was—we had Monday Thursday, and I, was, I had this little conversation with Emil and Kathy. And I brought this up. <laughs> I brought this up uh, a couple weeks ago in an adult Sunday school. I brought it up a couple weeks ago, and they—they they showed up a little bit late to the Monday Thursday service because they had a calf fall into a well. Right, it was a well, right? And you know what they could have done? They could have said, Oh no, we gotta to get to the Monday Thursday service because pastors expecting us and all these people are going to see us. But they said, you know what is more important than showing up to Monday Thursday? My calf. Right? I'm going to give it the immediate love that it needs right now that's more important than making sure everybody else looks good, but I look good in everybody else's life. He says, You guys do the same thing. You guys will feed your animal You will water your animal, you'll drag it from place to place, but you won't even worry about a daughter of Abraham, a fellow Jew, with her infirmities. You want her to wait another day. And Jesus says, no, you have the ability to show love now, do it right now. Love should win. It's very simple, love should win. You know, this is the second time since we started the book of Luke, where we talked about love triumphing over the law. Love is more important. About a year ago, I think it was, that's how slow we're going, about a year ago, uh, we talked about this in, in Luke, I think chapter 6, uh, Yep, I don't have it in my notes, but where we, I remember the, the opening point of it was I talked about what would you do if your son or daughter was bit by a rattlesnake? How many people are going to follow the speed limit to get to the doctors? Not me, I'm going to go as fast as my car can go. Or I've heard my sister-in-law or my sister was pregnant and they're on the way to the hospital. How many people are going to say, "Okay, I'm going to follow the speed limit and hope the baby doesn't come"? You no, know, if I can push it a little bit, I'm going to do it, right? Because love is more important than the law. This is the second time we see this. We're going to see this one more time probably in about four or five weeks. By the time we get to it, where love triumphs over the law. Love is more important. Love should win. The ultimate example we have of this is Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate example of love triumphing over the law. Because we have, in Ezekiel 18.20, says, the soul who sins is the one who will die. That's what the, what the Bible says. Romans 3.23 says, guess what? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And that's what we've all earned, correct? We've all sinned. We've all broken the law. Our God's perfect standard, we all deserve to die. And if God says, you're getting what you deserve, I can't argue with that. He made the rules. He made me. I get what I get because I have sinned. But here's where love triumphs over the law. This is where love wins. In Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, before we, did any, before we said, okay, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, he died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could have eternal life. Love triumphed over the law. Love won when it came to God, when he thought about us. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. We are the sinners. We've broken the law. We deserve death. And God says, you know what? I love you. I'm going to figure out a way, or I, not figure out a way. I know the right way to keep you from having to suffer the consequences that you deserve. Love is going to win. And then he made it easy because Romans 10.9 says, all you have to do is ask him. Um, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's very simple. You don't have to go to church every Sunday to be saved. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. You don't have to give all your money to the poor to be saved. He says, put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation and then you'll be saved. And today is the day uh, where we're going to take just a moment to remember this, the, the price that Jesus paid in order to give us salvation. There's a little bit of uh, bread that represents his body and a little juice that represents his blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 30, talks about how serious this is. this is. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is something that's very, very important that we do to honor God, yes, and remember what he did But we have to take it in the right manner. Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if we have sin in our life that we have not confessed to God, we're, we're asking for judgment on himself. And if we have not trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior and we take this, we're asking for judgment on ourselves. And I I would not uh, tempt God. I would not say, I'm going to take my chances and see if I can get away with it one more time because I got away with it last time. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make things right between you and God. So I just want to take a couple minutes before I call the deacons up here to say, make things right with God. Confess any sins that you have. And if you need to trust Him as your Savior, uh, let's do that during this time as well.